And so I titled my message this morning, Making the Transition. Now the word transitioning has kind of taken a word of its own, but we're not going to talk about that this morning. The transition that we're talking about is from graduation into the next part of our life. But our, our life is kind of like a book, isn't it? Our, our, our life is a book, and we just kind of have different chapters that we turn to from time to time. And so each one of those is transitions, and with that comes the unknown. But we graduate high school, and then maybe in a couple years we'll get married, and that's a new transition. And so all of a sudden we have something new. We have somebody now living with us in a different home, and that goes pretty good for a while. Then we start to have kids, and that's a new transition. And it takes about 18 years to figure your kids out, and then they leave you, and all of a sudden you are without your children anymore. And so there's just all kinds of transitions. Later on in life, maybe your spouse uh, will pass away, and that's a whole different transition as well, isn't it? I mean, you was married to that person for 50 or 60 plus years, and all of a sudden they're no longer there. So there's a transition that you have to go through with life. But that's life, isn't it? And so we're going to talk this morning about making a transition. The word transition is just really having a new phase in life, from one phase to another, from one chapter to another. But that oftentimes brings about questions. Can I do this? What's going to happen to me? What do I do in this situation? And so those are some things that we're going to be talking about this morning when it comes to us making the transition. First of all, we make the transition by uh, leaving the previous chapter behind. Our lives are like a book, like I said, and we fill in chapters as we continue in this journey that we call life. And so when one chapter ends, we simply turn the page and start a new chapter in life. We can't stay in this one chapter forever. It would be nice if we could. It would be nice if we could just be in our comfort zone for the next 60, 70, 80 years. But that's just not the way it works. Life goes on, and so we have to continue in that journey. But we oftentimes, I know I do, we oftentimes get into a comfort zone. I talk about this all the time, but I'm very schedule-oriented, and so everything I do is based upon my schedule. I go to bed at a certain time. I have to get up at a certain time. And I, everything I do is just based on that every day. And when that schedule changes, I'm like, what do I do? This isn't supposed to happen yet. It's only 10 o'clock in the morning. This happens at noon. What do I do? So we have all kinds of questions. It reminds me of God's people in Egypt. Remember the Israelites? They were in Egypt. They were in bondage for 400 years. Now could you imagine that? There were several generations that were born and they lived and they died as slaves in Egypt. Generation after generation after generation lived in that condition. And then God one day sends a man by the name of Moses to come down and to lead his people out of bondage. And you think they would be the happiest people in the world. All right, we get to leave this dump. Man, we, it's about time God did something. We can now get out of here. We're never going to look back. We're never going to want to yearn for what we used to have. We're going to go forward and never look back. Was that their attitude? No. Nah. 
They was out of Egypt for about a day, and they started to complain to Moses. Moses, did you leave us out of here to die? We had a better back in Egypt. Even though we were slaves, and even though uh, Pharaoh made it difficult on us making bricks, and we had to get our own straw, even though we live like that, we want to go back to that lifestyle. And that's the way we are as humans, aren't we? We get content, we get happy with where we are. They were simply stuck in the past, and they were unwilling to turn the page to the next chapter. In Philippians chapter 3, in verse number 13, Philippians chapter 3, in verse 13, <clears throat> This is Paul, is towards the end of his life. He says this, he says, Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paul says, I press on. I don't look back at my past and all the mistakes that I made, all the things that I had, I keep pressing on. Did you ever think about the things that Paul left behind? I mean, he tells us here in Philippians, I think it's the first part of chapter 3. Yeah, like in verse number 5. He says, I was a stock of Israel. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. <clears throat> concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteous which is in the law, I was blameless. But yet Paul says, I leave all that behind. Paul knew that there was something greater in store for him. Paul knew that, yes, he was a Pharisee. Yes, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Yes, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. But those are all just material, physical things. What is more uh, important is the spiritual and we oftentimes need to be reminded of that. God called Paul to do something better. God called Paul to turn the next chapter and move on. I'm always amazed by the Apostle Paul, that man who thought it was his job to persecute the church. He thought it was his job to go around and kill Christians. But God was able to use that man to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Man, that just, that just gave me some um, goosebumps on the back of my neck. To think that a serial killer, this sounds bad, doesn't it? A serial killer wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But that shows you that God can use you. You have to just simply turn the next chapter. You have to make the transition from the person that you was to the person that you now are. And so my second point is, we need to simply turn to the next chapter. The great thing about the next chapter is, it has not yet been written. We can't change the past, can we? Oh, there are so many people in the United States of America that are living in their past. There are so many people that that's all they think about are the mistakes that they made, but we have to move on to the future. And the good thing about the future is, it is yet to be written. We are the one that, with God's help, can navigate through this life 
and we can make our own decisions and our own possibilities. If there's one word I think can really wrap all this up, and that's the word hope. That is one thing that we have as Christians that the world does not, not the only thing, but one of the things that we have as Christians is that we have hope. The non-Christian doesn't have any idea of what hope really is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, you know this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a love chapter. In the very last verse, what does it say? Now abides these three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Hope is what really propels us forward. Paul speaks about hope. A couple of different times in Philippians chapter 2, he says, I hope to come see you. I hope to send Timothy to go visit you and check up on you. In the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 24, Paul said, I hope to see you as I travel to Spain. I hope to stop by and see you on the way. Paul had these little hopes that was driving him into that new chapter of life. He had goals in mind as to what he wanted to do and wanted to accomplish. But why is turning this page so difficult? Why is moving from this chapter to the next chapter so difficult? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, it tells us that that's the end of something, doesn't it? That tells us that's the end. Whatever this chapter was about, that's going to end that chapter. But also what I think is more concerning to us is, is that of the unknown, isn't it? We don't know what the, the future holds for us. Is it bright? Is it glorious? Or is there something in the future that's going to maybe be a difficult time in my life? We don't know what the future holds. So there is some uncertainty about that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just go over a couple chapters. We're in 13, go over to 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I've labeled this in my Bible the resurrection chapter. Man, the whole 58 verses or so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about the resurrection, and the resurrection gives us hope. But look what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in verse number 19, he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. In other words, if all we have as a Christian is to put our hope in this life, Paul said, man, we are a bunch of pitiful people. And I would agree to that, wouldn't you? I've lived 50 years, almost 51 years. Man, if this is it, there's got to be something better than this, right? I mean, aches and pains, you moan and you groan, your knees crack and your neck pops and everything else. It's just like, this can be the, this can be the best. And so we have hope in Jesus that the next life, the next chapter, is going to be much, much better than what we have today. And that all comes true because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
I told you this before, but I remember I have one of these in my, in my library. Thomas Jefferson, the great patriot father of our country, did not believe that Jesus was God. And so he took his Bible one day, and he took a razor blade, and he cut out every verse in the Gospels that Jesus did miracles, or Jesus did something that was God-like. And he took his Bible, he cut out all of those verses, and then he rewrote the Gospels, and I have it in my library, it's called the, the Jefferson Bible. But there is not one verse in that Jefferson Bible of Jesus ever performing a miracle or doing any kind of a supernatural thing. In fact, the very last chapter is that Jesus is died and he is buried and that is the closing theme. Well, I tell you what, if that's true, we are the most pitiful of people. Because the resurrection is where my hope is. Yes, Jesus died. Yes, Jesus was buried. But on that third day, he resurrected. He came back to life again. And because of that, we have hope. Praise the Lord for that. My third point this morning is that there is a big hope for all of us. No matter the situation that we find ourselves in, there is still hope. And it seems like some of us are, are dealt hands that are worse than others. It seems like some people, there's always something that, that happens to them that seems to be bad. But we have hope for every single one of us. There is a hope of all hopes. I keep telling you this, and I hope that you got this, that when God makes a promise, He never breaks them. When God makes a promise, He never breaks that promise. Jesus said 2,000 years ago in John chapter 15, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will return. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. But yet I believe it's true because Jesus and God always keeps their promises. And so we have that hope today. We have that assurance that God will never, never, ever let us down. But what does the Bible say about hope? Well, let's turn back here with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You think, wait a minute, preacher. That's the faith chapter. Hebrews chapter 11 is a faith chapter. Why are we turning there to talk about hope? Well, it's because we cannot have faith without hope. And vice versa. We can't have hope without faith. What is the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1? Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We cannot have faith in God if we do not have any hope in Him. And so faith and hope are really hand in hand. They are tied together. Faith is like a sail, and hope is like the wind that drives that boat, that ship, to wherever it needs to go. And so what does verse 6 say? But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. You see, if you don't have any faith, if you don't have any hope, you're not going to be pleasing to God. Again, all of those things work together. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Hope and faith. Our hope is in Jesus, isn't it? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we just talked about earlier, our hope is in the fact, our hope is in the idea that Jesus resurrected and that He is going to return for us one day. Without our hope in Jesus, our life becomes meaningless. There are so many people in the day, in the world today, young people that take their life, and when they start to look at those ideas and see why those things are, oftentimes they think they have no hope. But man, there is so much to look forward to in the future, isn't there? There's so much for us to think about what God can do for us and with us if we just allow Him to do that. Whenever I think about life, whenever I think about worth, I think about the book of Ecclesiastes. Because Solomon wrote that book, didn't he? Solomon is uh, reported to be the wisest man in the Bible besides Jesus, of course. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, a couple years ago we did about a six-week sermon series on that. But basically, the first part of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is just basically telling us that without God, our life will have no value. Without God, our life is worthless. That's why Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Vanity just means it's worthless or it's empty. Here is the wisest man in the world. Here is the richest man in the world. We talked about this before several uh, months ago on Sunday night. Solomon had enough wealth every year that he could buy apple and he could buy... What's the other big one? Amazon. He could buy Amazon and he could buy Apple and have plenty of money left over. That was the taxes that he received every year. Solomon had everything. He had gold. He had silver. He had goblets that were gold and all of his eating utensils were made out of gold. And he would send out ships just to go get some monkeys and go get some ivory and get some exotic animals. Whatever is out there, just bring it back. That's a lifestyle that he had. But what did he say in Ecclesiastes? Every single one of those things is worthless without God in your life. And so how does he end Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 1, he says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of your youth. I mean, that's where it is. Solomon realized that the things that he had had no value. The only value is having Jesus and having God in your life. That's the only thing that's leaving here. I remember Tommy Johnson always saying that there's only one thing that's leaving this earth, and that's the church. Are you a part of it? Are you on the inside looking out, or are you on the outside looking in? The only thing leaving this earth is the church. 
And so as we conclude this morning, there are times in our life that we have to close one chapter and open another. The future, although it's uncertain, has all kinds of possibilities. But we must never lose sight of one thing, the greatest hope of all, and that's Jesus Christ.